Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. There are billions of dollars in clean energy tax incentives in the Inflation Reduction Act, which was signed into law by President Joe Biden on Tuesday. And those dollars are meant to help electricity providers across the country. But the law was written in a unique way. It doesn't just benefit the large, investor-owned utilities that have enjoyed incentives for decades. It will also help cities, nonprofits, public power utilities, and rural electric cooperatives, which are usually excluded from using tax credits for clean energy. So today, I chat with Politico's Catherine Morehouse about why green energy incentives aren't just for big utilities anymore and who will benefit. It's Friday, August 19th. So, Kat, you're reporting that the Inflation Reduction Act could open up untapped markets for green energy by changing the rules around access to tax credits. So what are those rule changes and who stands to benefit from them? So essentially what this rule does is it allows entities that are exempt from paying federal taxes to get funding directly from the government that's equivalent to how much they would have received for those federal tax credits. And so this opens up the door for cities, counties, school districts, nonprofits, and then kind of smaller non-for-profit utilities like co-ops and public power, which are municipally owned in many cases. It gives them the opportunity to reap some of the same rewards that large investor-owned utilities have seen for decades through those tax credits. Interesting. So how will this law in particular impact, you mentioned rural electric cooperatives or co-ops, which have been slow to make the switch from fossil fuels to clean energy. So this could be really important to them, right? Right. And the economics for cooperatives and investor-owned utilities are just really fundamentally different and the same with public power. IOUs, as their investor-owned name implies, are owned by shareholders and are just more readily incentivized to make those big infrastructure investments that can reap big returns for those shareholders. And so in recent years, you've seen spending on big renewable energy projects being really lucrative for those big utilities and developers and also developers who are able to take advantage of tax credits. And we've seen increased interest in solar and wind, in particular from co-ops and public power on the other side, because you're seeing the actual power that's generated from these facilities is at the end of the day cheaper than the power from the big power plants. I think co-ops and public power could see the benefits for their customers, but it was harder for them to make the economics of these projects work. So they still could technically invest in clean energy, but the incentives weren't the same. You basically had to partner with the third-party developer so they couldn't actually own the facility. And then you had to often have a kind of fourth party to organize the finances of it all. And you have to deal with the Wall Street analysts, as people like to say. So some of these co-ops in rural places just didn't have the same resources to navigate the tax equity market in that way. So in theory, now that co-ops and public power can directly own and directly develop these facilities themselves, we might see more investment in those facilities and see the cost savings as well by avoiding all of the complications tied to those partnerships and kind of that longer road to development. 
Gotcha. And you also report the new climate law improves the economics of small-scale local clean energy projects. So what do you mean by that exactly, and why is that important? Right. So now a small entity that wants to build a solar panel on the roof of a local police station, for instance, maybe the city wants to do that. They don't have to go out and deal with a tax equity market anymore, and they don't need to find partners and find grants or loans and go through all of these hurdles to receive the full benefits. Instead, they can build these projects and they themselves qualify for those incentives. And this is huge because it really puts power kind of back to local control in a lot of ways. Folks I've talked to who work at the municipal utility level say they predict the local projects will be some of the first to go up. Because if you think about rooftop solar or residential battery, those projects don't require big transmission lines, for instance. And so the timeline for getting these projects up has just gone down significantly. If you don't need to deal with the complicated tax stuff, you avoid the transmission stuff. And so it's theorized that we might see a lot more solar projects and battery projects in places that we weren't seeing them before. Interesting. And yeah, so we focus a lot on the federal level, obviously, but localities themselves are setting targets for 100% clean energy, but few have reached those goals at this point. And you spoke with some local leaders who say the rule changes we're discussing in the climate law will actually make these clean energy investments more economical and thus the clean energy targets easier to reach. So tell us about what you heard there. Yeah, I had one local leader call it a dream come true kind of for municipalities who are thinking about sustainability. And I think what this really does is it opens up a whole other door. This municipality in particular was had a few solar projects being developed. Now that the city is going to see immediate cost benefits attached and economic benefits attached to those existing projects and projects that it has planned. But this also opens up a whole other door for the city to think about how to invest in battery storage and microgrids and resilience against, you know, storms and other things, as well as electric vehicle infrastructure and just all of these clean energy technologies that were kind of out of reach of these smaller entities before are much more at play than they were before. Also, on Wednesday, the Energy Department announced new proposed standards to increase the energy efficiency of residential clothes dryers. According to the department, the proposal marks the 85th energy efficiency-related action DOE has taken this year. And it comes as advocates say the White House has been slow to review the energy efficiency actions, which are key to achieving the Biden administration's climate goals. The department said the proposed standards would save the average household approximately $36 on annual utility bills and a collective nearly $21 billion in the 30 years after the standards come into effect. DOE expects the new rule will come into effect in 2027. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. It's subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Normal Malaykel is the podcast producer. Raghu Manuvalan edited the show this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday.
Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.